like to welcome everybody to another edition of the Major Music Lounge podcast. Joined by my man, Oyama's Music. What's good, man? Hey, I am excited to be here. Good to be on with you, D-Dot. Definitely a pleasure to have you on. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before we actually started recording and uh, kind of like met each other along the way during Beattober. So we're going to chop it up mm -hmm. on that and talk a little bit about that. But definitely a pleasure to have you on. I like what you're doing. It's like you telling me um, about looking at some of my, my work on YouTube and, you know, just what I've been doing on social media. I did the same thing actually this morning with you. And I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I read the bio and uh, went on your page and checked some of that out. So we're going to definitely get, get into it with that. Um, I guess to start it off, you know, I read your bio, but, you know, for our listeners and for all our viewers out there, tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and how you got started with music. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, music has always been a part of my life. My mom made me take piano lessons when I was little. It's been like 20 years. I didn't like it then. And I'm so glad now because, man, it just builds and pays off over the years. But I'm a... I actually didn't get started with producing until this year. Wow. Okay. So I got sucked in because I was learning Ableton because I was like, oh, I can play some really sweet sounds on the church keys if I don't use like that $100 Casio and replace it with a $100 keyboard and my laptop. And I was like, for real, I'm like learning about Ableton. I got into Ableton and then I realized, hold up, I can make the music I've been listening to like all my life on this just got to get splice or serato and buy a little of this a little bit soon enough you're like in the in the middle of the black hole and loving it so so that's been my story um play a lot of music over the years mostly at church but a lot of singing a lot of guitar a lot of keys okay. and listening to a, a lot of music um grew up on seriously 90s hip-hop 90s pop right. 90s r&b baby face dr dre <laughs> wu-tang rizza like man 90s was a good era to be listening was to the radio. Era. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it was it was a good era uh to listen to music. I think like a lot of us, because I think we're about the same age. You mentioned you just made 40. I'll be 40 in two weeks. Oh, for um, real. Happy yeah. birthday. Thank you. Yes, thank you. 81. <laughs> 81 was a good year too. <laughs> it was a good year. It was a very good year. Um, but yeah, we had we have a lot of similarities. Uh, I mean, you mentioned you took piano lessons growing up. I didn't take piano lessons, but um, I am a brass player. I play a little bit of trumpet, oh, play real? some baritone. Nice. I like to implement implement it more into my music in the future. So we'll see. Um, and then you know, talking a little bit about you know just getting started with production a year ago. Um, now, was it really like? Just because I kind of read some more in the bio, but was it really having like a lot of the extra time during the pandemic, along with maybe like your background as far as learning keys that kind of led you to start to produce music? It was a lot of things like I, I feel like I always wanted to produce music, although I wouldn't have called it that because I didn't even know what it was called. Yeah, I was just trying to like write music, but <laughs> I was doing that in the early 2000s, late 90s. It was just frustrating. I'm like, man, all the songs more just difficult. sound like Nintendo, but worse. It's <laughs> not working for me. So I, I took some time off. I think I had acid for like a year. Acid oh, yeah. That was the closest yeah. I got. <laughs> but it was still kind of not satisfying. You know, it was like, oh, it sounds like bad techno or something. <laughs> what is this? 
And then um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of time. Uh, to be completely honest, it was frustration because, I don't know, pandemic was crazy. Just getting mm-hmm. mad at just yeah. stuff going on, mad at life. It was kind of an outlet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, same here. Like, um, when the pandemic first started, uh, it actually let me, like, which we're going to talk about as well on your end, uh, but it led me more to really starting my YouTube channel even more. I've always actually had a YouTube channel. I've had a YouTube channel since like 09. But like, I saw that. You're like one of the OGs. (laughs) One of the the OGs on there. Um, But it wasn't really up until probably about maybe January of last year, right before the pandemic. Um, I had actually, it was my girlfriend who she convinced me, Hey, David, uh, you need to start releasing more content. You need to get a little more consistent Mm, with it. mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of, yeah, you know, (laughs) I felt that motivation and, uh, she was right. You know, I, uh, at that time I was just going through a lot of things away from music and Mm. it kind of led me to not wanting to create as much. And, uh, once I started going, I, I remember I made an MPC tutorial nice. and a lot of people seemed to like it. So then from there, I started, you know, doing more that. tutorials. Yeah, yeah and it just kind of kept going. And then uh, after that first year, because I did Beatober last year with Tatro. And oh, then what? Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. last year. Um, and, you know, kind of like like we came across each other. Same thing, met a lot of other people. And mm. it led me also to starting the podcast. I was like, okay, well, I got to add a new wow. element to this channel. And I used to do a radio show years ago. And um, nice. it was yeah. an online show. And um, from there, it just kind of led me to, like, I enjoy these conversations because I like to see where where a lot of these other beat makers, producers, creators, how their journey kind of compares with mine. Not to say, you know, I'm in competition with everybody, but um, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like we can all offer some we can all offer each other some kind of knowledge as far as being able to grow, maybe learning some ways of new techniques, how to market ourselves online, how to market oh, totally. ourselves on social media and just exchange ideas. And to me, um, you know, like yourself, a lot of other people just I I, I appreciate that one, the, the great feedback around the show. And um, it. I never thought that it would kind of lead to where it is now. We're about to enter year two. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a journey for me. Um, now, you've been on YouTube. Was this your first year on YouTube? This is my first year on YouTube. I think, am I coming up on six months yet? I started in July. Yeah. Okay. All right. And did you want to, uh, did you start your YouTube channel to like, maybe network with other producers or you maybe also wanted to kind of help other people. Like tell us a little bit about that. To be completely honest, I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, huh, I made some cool music. How do I share it with more people? And that's how I got started. And to, I was watching guys like Tatro or Eldre or Decap. I'm like, man, I love what they do. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how I learned production. Yeah. Cause I think I ended up on Tatro cause I was trying to figure out how to use a MIDI controller to make sounds and turned out after some research Ableton and all that so I I grew I grew up as a producer in my very short life as a producer (laughs) watching YouTube and I was so intimidating I'm like no 
I would love to teach, but what could I even teach? I mean, dude, I like, I just got started with music production this year, but then the more I hung out on YouTube, the more I realized I can't teach what Tatro teaches, but all of those 20 years doing church music and music in general, being in front of people and like, also just like the work and the ethic and stuff. Cause I'm like, yeah, I, I do some practice. It's not too hard making a beat a day if I just get my mindset right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, a lot of people struggling with that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let me tell you what I do. I don't overthink it. I turn on the DAW. I start getting some drums. I cook up and record the first thing I like, and I move on because that's how I finish in 10 minutes, half an hour. And I realized this was news to people. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's kind of like your MPC thing, although I'm sure, man, your MPC stuff, that's good. My stuff is just me like messing around. I'm like, okay, so... This is, if you don't know chords, because someone on Eldre server was like, how do you play lo-fi piano chords? And I'm so new to lo-fi too. I only started listening last year. I'm like, well, the way I see it, it's like boom bap and it's like jazz. Let me teach you a seventh chord. <laughs> if you don't know what a seventh <laughs> chord is, you just white, 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 skip one, skip one, skip one. You play that, you do the same thing, five white keys down. Even if you don't know what you're doing on your keyboard, you'll be fine. I made that video and it's like, oh, it worked for some people. So yeah. I realized it's fun teaching people. Like, yeah. and I don't know that much, I figure, but may, but some friends tell me too, like, don't sell yourself short. You do know yeah, some stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Teach what you know. Yeah, it's it's and that's the thing about starting a YouTube channel. It's never like I it wasn't easy to really start getting in and and Number one, like I personally, a lot of people wouldn't even know this, but I'm a very introverted person. And mm -hmm. for me to get on there initially, like, cause you know, you're gonna have, you have people that like what you do, but you're gonna have a certain group of people that don't like what you do. And mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like finding ways to navigate through all the negativity. Uh, yes. Cause I've had, I've had people stop my channel, leave ugly comments and mm -hmm. I've had people stop my channel and leave really good comments. And that's the ones that kind of keep me going. It's just, you know, when people say, Hey, great job. We enjoyed this video. Or if you're going to be, you know, and I'm open to constructive criticism, but it's always something that has to be specific and something that, I can build off of not just necessarily coming on my page saying, Hey, your video sucks and you don't know this. And, you know, and, uh, a lot of people, you know, I'll say more often than not, I get a lot of positive feedback on my channel. Yeah. Uh, people are nicer than I expected. I feel the same way. Like, yeah. that's good. That's cool. It's a really good, uh, music producer community. And I mean, you mentioned a lot of people, um, like, I follow Eldre too, of course, Tatro, uh, Decap. I actually, mm -hmm. I sat in um, a presentation by Decap here in Dallas wow. uh, years ago, and he was using Ableton. And that's when, that was actually right around the time. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with his Drums That Knock series. Oh, yes. But he yes. had just started one and two. Yeah, just started oh, one and two. One and, and two, man. And that was, that was that long ago. And uh, he was in there using Ableton, 
just uh, get, giving tutorials on Ableton and just talking to us about music production. It was actually at the iStandard uh, Beat Camp. I don't know if you're familiar with iStandard Production. Uh, oh, but they man, used to do a so lot cool. of like music producers events. And um, yeah, DCAP, very cool. I'd love to hear him talk again um, in you know person. I follow his stuff online as well. Um, yeah. And then Tatro, Tatro is amazing. Uh, I found him actually kind of like you in a way, um, about a year or no longer than that. Um, uh, maybe like two, three years. He didn't even have facial hair at that time. That's how long ago <laughs> that was. <laughs> uh, uh, but he was talking about the Roly Seaboard block. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one this device yes. yeah yeah this right oh, here nice, he's talking nice. about the seaboard block because uh at that time i was uh at my job i can't really say who i work for but um cool. <laughs> i was <laughs> i was uh i bought one of these and he he did a video review on it and he it was positive uh but like once i started following that video it just kind of led me to following all his other videos, all his other beat making mm, videos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then uh, doing a beat tober. I think he's been doing that for a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, Tatro, very good guy as well. Um, Eldre, you know, amazing. I like a lot mm. of the stuff that Eldre does. I saw him, uh, you know, everything from making beats on his phone to, oh my I think gosh, he uses same. Ableton. Yeah, same. yeah. <laughs> um, how has all three of those really influenced yourself to, you know, do what you do as far as creating music? Actually, like, I would say with LJ, I accidentally ended up on him first because when was it? I finally switched from Android to iPhone, like my Android broke. And then my friend was like selling his second hand for super cheap. So I was just like, I'll buy it off you. And no, it was a missions fundraiser. I remember now we were fundraising for like China missions to send some missionaries over. So I'm like, that's cool. And I get a phone. Okay. And they're like, wow, what's GarageBand? Oh, well, what do you do with it? And then I ended up at Eldre and I was like, wow, you can do a lot with this. And then I started listening to him and then it just so happened that I was learning about the church keys thing and I ended up on Tatro through a different route learning about that. And the one thing I saw in common was, besides that both of them really talented, really cool, was like, whoa, Ableton, what is this? <laughs> and so <laughs> get into that a bit. And I'm like, oh, I got a free trial of Ableton through this other app. Cause I was like doing it on the cheap. So I got this app Koala Sampler. Yeah. I'm like, you get a free trial of Ableton? Well, why not? Installed it, got it on. I'm like, Oh, this is powerful. So Black Friday rolls around. This is the last Black Friday upgrade to, I guess it's standard. I'm not on the most expensive one. I'm not on the cheapest one. So the middle one. Okay. And I think it was about that time you you start following Tatro and Eldre. Decap starts showing up in your feed yeah. <laughs> on my homepage. I'm like, now who's this ball guy? Oh, he makes good drums. And finally, I. I don't know why. I, I guess it's because I don't see it as an investment. I also didn't realize it would be fun or exciting or it would inspire me. But I held off on Splice for a long time. I'm like, no, I want to just work with free stuff. I want to be that guy doing it from super scratch. And so 
just ended up with like a whole bunch of free cymatics, which are fun to mess around with and yeah. get started. It definitely was like kind of getting the ideas of what I could do with it out there. But finally it's like, oh, Splice has a deal. Okay, why not try it? And then I was like, oh, this is fun. And like, oh, drums that knock is on this. Cause like he's been telling me about it after watching so many decap videos. I'm like, all right, I gotta try it. And I put it in and Seriously, there's like decap, little subtle things from decap in almost everything I do now. <laughs> like <laughs> I know every shout, every little thing. I know my favorite risers. When I don't know what to do, it's a decap riser. <laughs> and that that often gets the juice coming. And then I realize I could put in something else or I keep it. And maybe I filter it a little bit. Maybe I chop it a little, reverse it a little. But it's just really inspiring, the sounds that he put together. Yeah. And same with Elder and Tatro, actually. All their sample packs are cool. There's like always a few things that I keep and like kind of like my emergency start, emergency finish kit. Cause I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this. I'll just put that Tatro air riser on it again. That's always a good one until I figure out what I'm doing. Throw that in, get a good transition. But all three of them, it's like, I feel like everyone out of them has a different vibe. And something I've been learning about YouTube is like your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. It like, like some people are, are more crazy. Like all these guys are kind of more on the chill side. I think they're all more on the introvert side too. I know that's me. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what drew me into. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you. I didn't want to make tutorial videos also because I'm like I don't want to be on the camera. I'm terrified. It took me like hours to shoot my first video, and like I did a few live streams. And I was like so nervous. But then once I started chatting with people and having fun with it, I'm like. I was just chatting with friends that I met on the server. This is cool. It's not like the whole world's watching. It's just my five friends from the server at most. You know, it's kind of like you were talking about earlier about teaching people. That's kind of what I do in a way for a living. I see Um, that. Yeah. But like, it's basically my work job that led me to doing YouTube because I have to teach and facilitate in front of a group of people and I never liked to do that. And I remember, like, if you go back to look at probably my, my first videos when I started doing a lot of tutorials, I felt I didn't feel comfortable. And it wasn't until maybe, I don't know, a couple months went in, even like the podcast. When, when I first started the podcast, it was a little rocky at the beginning. But I think once I started doing more and more podcasts, um, questions started popping up in my head, you know, to kind of mm. keep conversation rolling. And right. um, cause uh, uh, the thing I noticed that's a lot different is, yeah, you're gonna, you may have a bio about somebody, you may have have some of their music, but like just thinking of questions along the way, based on the conversation that you get is going to be different. It's going to be like, you got to think on the fly. So that's kind of really what, uh, what taught me, or how it helped me improve over time doing this. And uh, I, I think a lot of music producers are introverted people. You know, that's why we don't leave the house <laughs> off and we're in making beats. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get that. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Beattober. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, it's a, right, a, yeah. for those of y'all listeners that aren't familiar with Beattober, um, it's something. Shout out to Tatro. That's Tatro. Mm-hmm. He he kind of was the uh, was the leader of this and kind of spearheaded it. But it's a 31 day beat challenge that he does every October and uh, it kind of brings the music producer community together. That's on YouTube as well as on on Instagram. 
And um, I could tell you, like, for me personally, like I make beats on so many different things that it allowed me for one to kind of stay creative because I've always thought like I have a whole different sound library on machine than I do in a Kai, you know, in my MPC. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I even seen you make beats on an iPad. I do that as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. How did Beattober, you know, help you every day? Cause I think you, me and you were like right on par with each other. Every morning I open yeah. my Instagram, I'd see you right there with a video, vice versa. And um, it just forced me like, when I really think about it, because there are some days where I might sit in front of the keyboard and I can't think of anything. But for yes. some reason, when Beatober <laughs> came, I was able to think of something every day. And um, how has that helped you become a better producer um, or, you know, just stay consistent making beats? Oh, dang, that's a good question. Like, honestly, was Beatober hard for you? I know you, you, you're seasoned. You've been at this for a long time, right? So yeah. is it hard to... Last year, I thought it was harder for me than it was oh, this okay. year. Oh, okay. That's um, true. You're a second-year guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this year, I, what I learned from last year was I would... Last year, I spent more time making beats literally every day. Like, I made mm. one beat every day. Mm -hmm. This year... I didn't make beats every day. Some days I might've made two or three, but what I tried to also do is I stayed ahead just in case, you know, oh, something smart. would happen and I wasn't <laughs> yes. able to make a beat that day. And uh, I think last year I was just stressing myself out because it would be like, well, I was working from home last year, but it, okay. I had the luxury of making beats during my lunch hour and my breaks. Nice. So that was, that was a little bit easier for me as to where this year I had to actually go out to go to work and then come back. So uh, when I got home at the end of the day, some days, you know, I wouldn't have enough time to make beats, but luckily I had one or two That's recordings good. from the previous day. So mm, um, nice. I think it's helped me because it made me realize that um, one, I don't have to necessarily like, I felt like when I press to make beats or when I, when I just try to put something together, it doesn't sound really good and I'm not satisfied with it as to where this year, I just learned to capitalize off my creativity. You know, if, if you're cooking one day and you crank out three, four five beats, just let it go, True. you know, let True. it go. And um, if there is a day when you just don't have it, don't force it. And I feel like maybe not to the degree. Um, I feel like this year, every beat was a little bit more quality, better quality than last year. I feel there were last year that mm. there were some days that I made a beat, but I didn't quite feel comfortable with it. And I just, I put it out there, even though I wasn't comfortable with it. And some people let me know, of course, uh, but <laughs> other than that, uh, I would say I got a, I got a lot of positive feedback on, on a lot of the instrumentals oh, that so I good. did. You know, the funniest thing is like, I had to do that, but I feel like that's a skill too. Like being okay, releasing stuff that I'm not okay with, but you know what? I just got to get something out. The weirdest thing happened almost without fail. Every time I put out a beat that I didn't like as much, it's so stupid, but that would be the one 
that somehow the algorithm favored and showed more people. I'm like, no, why are you showing that one to people? Why? I hate that one. <laughs> but that would be like when not every time, and it's not like I'm getting massive numbers, but like usually I get like 200 or 300 people watching. I'm like, yes, because I started Beatober with 100 followers on Instagram. So that's always exciting. But then one will get like stupid numbers, like a thousand. And I'm like, no, no, not that one. Why not yesterday's? Why not Wednesday's? That one, I'm really comfortable with going viral or mildly viral. But I, I realized that was an important skill. And two, like to a lot of people, it didn't even matter just whether I thought it was good or not. They're just like, well, I thought it was cool. And that's what matters. I'm like, yeah. that's true. And like, I think, like maybe that's like the big lesson in a nutshell. I think I was learning to simplify a lot of stuff and not overthink as much. It's yeah. like um, Kenny Beats, right? Don't overthink. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, it was just, uh, I realized my week one beats were a lot different than my week two beats. My week three beats, I said, screw it. I can't sit down at the computer every day and I gotta make videos, but I'm getting tired of making the same video in front of my desk every day. I got this Beatmaker 3 app. I've been excited to finally go ahead and learn it. And it looks like the workflow on machine kind of, the more I get to know it. And I've been meaning to learn that, but I don't always have time to sit down at my desk. So a lot of it was realizing I make stuff more complicated. Because week one, I was like all in doing like stuff that I never done. I was like, oh, YouTube has content restrictions, but Instagram's the Wild West. I can sample anything I want. Let's go. And then I realized that was fun, but I want to do the originals respect and not like <laughs> completely trash them. So I'm like, that's a lot of work to think about. I can't do that every day. It's tough. And then, yeah. And then just realizing, I feel like in my head, I realized to be honest, for just like a Beethoven beat, I need a drum part, I need a bass or 808, I need some sort of pattern keys. And if that isn't enough, always throw a lead on top and a few simple transitions. It doesn't need a B section, don't go crazy. Um, simple intro, outro, just put a, put a filter on it, fade it in, high pass, low pass, whatever. <laughs> and then choose one of your three favorite ways to end the thing, tape yeah. stop, or fade out or something stupid like an explosion it doesn't matter it's beat over just have fun with it don't don't try to win a grammy or something i used to use those uh explosions a lot myself uh they're fun yeah they they're are good. fun <laughs> <laughs> and you, you 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 work with artists and you are an artist yourself right so yeah that's always yeah. a dope way to end the track <laughs> especially uh one of those uh high energy 808 beats uh i used to like mm, using, using that explosion right. right at the end uh you mentioned use beat maker three um and i saw you use other like apps on the ipad as well you mentioned koala sampler um yeah, i yeah, think yeah. you use also blocks wave if i'm not mistaken yes, yeah. yeah um what do you see as far as like the differences between like making beats are creating with Ableton opposed to like iOS production? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, iOS is cool because it's mobile. It's cool because I don't have to be at my desk. I mean, that's what makes Ableton cool though too. Cause like when I'm on Ableton, I'm locked in and there's so much I can do with just a tap of a finger. It's like, I know on my hotkeys, I'm like control D this and like control drag that out drag this. So, 
I could just get into a really natural quick flow on Ableton. But it's funny because iOS, I don't float. And in a weird way, that's an advantage because I have to think differently about yeah. every move I'm making. I'm like, okay, now I got to go to splice on iOS. Then I got to throw it into file. Then I got to throw it into the share thing. But the tools work really different too. Like I kind of wish I had Ableton on the iOS. And at the same time, I realized if I had Ableton on iOS, I wouldn't have made what I had made. Because with Beatmaker 3, I was like looking at, I don't know, guys like Beats by J Black or like, or like you, you know, like just anyone who's jamming on drum pads. And I'm just thinking, I want to do that. How do I do that? And so I made myself a special drum kit just for Beatmaker 3 and left it there. And that was like my go-to when I didn't know what I was doing. Like, oh, that's a good boom bap kit. That's always a fun place to start gets yeah. me excited yeah. and then with Blockswave, have you ever used Blockswave before a little bit here and there i gotta actually start using it more yeah i i got it and i didn't even know what it was for i'm like what is this <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me and i can only use their files like i want to use their stock files they're okay but i would never say this is my beat because it's like just a lot of loops being put together yeah yeah and i was like that there's that whole discussion about cheating. I know you had with Tali the other day. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's exemplary. That's like mm -hmm. what, it, what people are mad about maybe too. But then what I realized is um, there's an interesting different way of working with the samples that I can say at least to myself where I don't feel like I've done, I feel like I've done enough with it that it goes from cheating to being creative. And it's like, cause Blockswave, what it did for me, I paid for the upgrade, it was super cheap. Now I realize it's super cheap after buying stuff for Ableton. I'm like, I love RC20, but that cost me way more. I could have bought three iOS apps for that. Oh, yeah. And it's so cheap on iOS. Mm -hmm. And I got Blockswave. I upgraded it. And I'm like, oh, I can put splice samples in it. I can put my anything I ever bought in it. So I get a USB drive, drop it all in, dump it all in. It takes a little bit of work. So that's a pain. But it's also good because, like I said, the lack of flow makes me think more. I'm like, man. Only have time to put 50 loops in it today, 50 samples. What am I going to choose? I'm like, okay, soul surplus this, a drums that knock there, maybe this loop that my friend cooked up, put it all in. And then it does the BPM and key matching for you. As long as you know, you have to tell it. But it puts some weird stuff together I never would have thought of. I'm like, oh, a boom bap, jazzy trumpet line with the bass together with Bollywood. I mean, maybe that's old school natural for some people, but I never would have done that. I just hit random a few times like, okay, wow, wow. And then I exported it to Ableton. And so that was really fun because I was like, I got the idea on Blockswave and then I could actually make it more mine in Ableton, like cutting it more, reversing yeah. it, flipping it, the risers, the build. Other times I took it into like Launchpad on the iOS, which I never used before too. So Btober was a great excuse for me to get to know tools better, especially since I committed to all 31 days. And to me, the biggest enemy on Btober was boredom. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah. I don't want to be making the same beat 31 times. <laughs> I could do that. I could do that. Definitely. Like, I know how to do it, but I don't want to do that. I just, <laughs> I, I'll die. <laughs> Day 14 even, I was like getting really tired. And that's when I decided I'm going to try iOS and just see what happens if I do that, learn some new tools. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. It's a little bit of work to learn it, but it saved a lot of time on different parts at the end. A lot of new ideas, a lot of new inspiration. So I feel like that for me, that was another thing. 
go looking for inspiration and be okay paying for inspiration if it's like 12 bucks if it's less than 20 bucks it's an impulse buy especially yeah, yeah. Got a job <laughs> that's not that much money i pay that's like two starbucks these days right so i'm like man if it keeps me inspired and keeps you excited it's kind of worth it as an artist as a producer what would you say what would you say is your favorite um ios app at the moment to produce oh dang if i had to choose just one and delete everything else i'd probably just keep beatmaker 3 because it's the most versatile yeah um i love yeah. beatmaker it's fun it's fun yeah i need to start doing uh i was just thinking because i get a lot of questions around beatmaker and i've been using it since beatmaker 2 actually oh like, okay um, yeah, yeah yeah when they would just do there were not uh any auv plugins it was just interact audio everything was interact audio wow. at one time wow and uh just to see where it went and i think the initial launch of beatmaker 3 yeah wow 2017 that was the initial launch of it and it came from so far once they started it until now so it'll be mm -hmm. very interesting to see what they do next but yeah a lot of people always hit me up um i don't know how many people just from watching some of my videos <laughs> that started hey i saw your video i'm making beats on ipad now myself i didn't know that was possible and wow you know that helps me personally because it's like if i can help somebody if i can help somebody express themselves creatively and learn how to create music on, you know, just something as small, like you got an iPad mini right behind you. I started I making beats. Tiny. <laughs> I started making beats on an iPad mini. So like, uh, yeah, um, I used to probably right before, right before I started making beats on Beatmaker 2, the only other app I would use at that time was uh, actually two. It was GarageBand and then um, nice. iMachine from Native Instruments. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one too. Um, cause I'm, I'm mainly like, I'm really, you see me do a lot of things, but I'm mainly a machine beat maker. Yeah. Um, I know you say machine is your da, and I'm yeah, like, Ooh, that's yeah. another level of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Been so, um, invested in it since what? Oh, nine. So I have a ton wow. of expansions and, Oh yeah. If you, uh, you're into a lot of those expansions or even complete, now is the time really real really for a lot of things where they're about to start their sales for the holidays black friday is yeah, here black friday. <laughs> save you money <laughs> yes sir so you can spend it because it's gonna go out <laughs> um what do you have on on tap as far as you know do you have any projects on the way or i actually got a chance um on your page to check out the beach tape ep uh, so great job on that. I subscribe to you as well. Um, Thank you. Thank no you. problem. No problem at all. Uh, what do you have on deck as far as you have any future plans for any upcoming music? Well, immediately, immediately. I'm just pretty excited about like growing the YouTube channel and making music that people can vibe to. So I'm working on a lo-fi series. I wanted to make an album, you know, but then I'm like, the more I think about it, especially it's hard. Maybe it's because I'm like, a 90s kid you know like i think if i'm gonna make music i gotta make an album but the more i look at DistroKid and spotify and the way it works i'm like there's really no point <laughs> just release singles so i'm like if i can pull it off i'm gonna try and release like a christmas lo-fi single every week okay. Okay. i think it's a good discipline for me i'm really trying to break into sync licensing too yeah so 
I heard back from my first library, which was super exciting, but it's not concrete yet. But even just hearing back anything positive, like it could work out, is super hype for me. So I was like, okay, man, I got to get organized. So like continuing to make more beats. Um, I think that's the main thing. Make more beats. Uh, make the Christmas thing because I love Christmas. I mean, that's me. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I'm a church guy. I love the music. I love the season. And lo- what was it? Eldridge just released his uh, Snow Fi, the Lo-Fi Christmas album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Got Chris Puncelon on it and got... What was it Chris Ponsalon and Simon Servita? Actually, Simon Servita did a lot more keys on it, but it's so good. And I'm just like, honestly, I think there's a big gap because for me, I just keep playing that Charlie Brown Christmas album over and over and over because everything else I get tired of. And then I listen to Eldre, I'm like, oh, this is the Christmas album I didn't know I needed. We need more of this in the world, actually. <laughs> more That's a great idea. Have lo-fi yeah. Christmas music. Right That's a there. great idea. Because, like, that's basically the Charlie Brown Christmas album, Vince Guaraldi and the trio and the jazz and all that. It's just a little bit updated with more of a hip-hop vibe. I'm like, yes, yes. Like, something that's harder to play out because it just kind of fits in with your party and your vibe and your room and all that. But, yeah, I'm I'm just really trying to think about, too, like, what is it that I can do to contribute to people? Because I know for some friends, like, the video part of Beetober was the hardest part yeah and i'm like actually yeah i had to think a lot about the video part and it, i only survived the video side because i've been doing youtube since summer if i hadn't learned what i learned from doing youtube yeah i, I would have died after day three i probably i don't know what i would have done your videos were very innovative i found um <laughs> You no, know, you even you. got got your family involved um mm. used a lot of clips i saw a lot of um, external clips here and there, just sharp clips in your videos too. Um, any thought process behind it? Like it, those concepts, um, what, what led you to just kind of being creative and not just making the beats, but just finding a, a way to have fun with making the videos? Oh yeah. I mean, part of it too, is that thing that I said, like, if I get bored, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to be into this anymore. But a big part of YouTube that I'm realizing is keeping the, the viewer interested. And if I make the same beat video too, not only will I be bored, but maybe the viewer will be bored. And I was realizing I kind of want these videos to have a life after Beatober. It would be cool to put them on YouTube and for them to actually do something for the channel and entertain people too. Yeah. So how do I do that? And it was two reasons, two things. One is I realized like those external clips, they really um, add a lot. They kind of give it some production value. They make it look like I know what I'm doing. I don't, I just got started, you know? <laughs> but two, like, it also covers up my mistakes because I'm not the best at live finger drumming. I learned a lot during Beatover because like, I'm the kind of producer that sits there. I am so thankful Ableton 11 does that, you know, like the multiple takes and it records all of them because I would die without that. Awesome. <laughs> it saves me so much time. But I'm like, I cannot one take Jake that. I'm like, no. I'm going to get four four beats of it, right? And then I'm going to do the next four beats. So having B-roll was like my secret weapon that I didn't tell people. Whenever I'm really, I can't do this part live. Nah, just record some trees and put it on top. Record the beach and put it on top. <laughs> Throw my kids in it. So, but I realized as I did that, as like kind of a cheap way for me to escape, 
people actually, it worked for people. One. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. And two, I realized like, you know what? This is telling a story. And I, I kind of thought about that side of it a lot more. And I realized guys like Tatro, they do that a lot. Like Chris Punson and LJ, they do a lot with the zooms and the pans, but it's mostly just them. And I started cribbing that move from them in second half. I didn't really do the zoom until week three. But Tatro, he's always got like the beach or like driving in his car. And I realized I like shooting stuff like this for fun. I also used to do video for church. So I'm like, I got a lot of like LA video because I'm an LA guy and I, the city's got a vibe to it. Just whether you're on the highway or you're on the beach or you're just walking down the street. I mean, so cinematic, this city. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should put some of this in there, that in there. And I was like scouting locations for a family. <laughs> it was for a family <laughs> photo shoot. We just had a baby. He's, okay, uh, congrats, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, he's three months old. So like, in my wife's Chinese, I'm Japanese. In Chinese culture, the, the hundredth day is a big deal. Koreans too. And the reason why is like, if the baby lasts a hundred days, that means he's not going to die. I'm like, you know what? Medically, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but we were scouting. I was tasked with scouting locations. I'm a freelance web designer, um, Google Yelp kind of guy. So I, I have a lot of leeway with my schedule. So I just drove around looking at locations. I ended up at a beautiful Japanese garden that was open to the public. I'm like, oh, I haven't cooked up yet today. Let me cook up and like just leave the camera on. I'm like, oh, that worked. So I think I realized like telling these stories or like showing my kids. I'm like, oh, this. I didn't realize it when I was doing it at first, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? This is part of what makes me me. Yeah, I'm a beat maker and I'm 40. Yeah, I'm a beat maker. I got kids. Yeah, I'm like a totally different kind of dude than a lot of the, like the young guys on uh, Eldre's channel and doing the beat battles and stuff. Yeah, I'm probably the oldest one there sometimes, you know? But that's me and I want to like reflect that with my life. This is my lifestyle. This is the way I do things. This is my inspiration. Um, my kids love music. Also, it's part of like, I feel honestly, it's part of the condition of my life letting me do what I do so much and disappear into the studio. If I can get the kids in there with me too and somehow make it work, she's happy. But if I lock myself in there and I'm away from the whole family for like too long, you know, it's it's not cool, especially yeah. if it's not a work hour, if it's family time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. just trying to tell stories with it because I realize, I mean, it's, it's just like the, the classic hip hop too. If you tell a story, it hooks people so much more. Like Eminem making up Slim Shady or like Slick Rick telling his raps back in the day. It's, it's just so engaging and sucks you in. It's not just the lyrical talent, but it's that story that makes me remember this, the song, the track, you know? People can relate. They can relate to what you do. And, that's uh, true. you know, yeah. I think that's really like how a lot of these music producer communities come together is, you know, everybody everybody sees it could be something that you're using uh, as far as like a beat program, an app, MIDI controller, whatever that looks like. It could be like you were saying about your video, telling the story in your video. So I think, you know, that's really what draws us all together. And, uh, you know, you mentioned also that it's, you know, having, finding a way really to get your family involved and, um, <clears throat> and uh just 
you know, LA, for example, I got to get back out to LA. It's been a long time, but yeah, there's a lot of beautiful (laughs) scenery out there. And I only been to LA twice in my life. So yeah, I definitely got to go and, you know, want to connect with a lot of people out there. So, um, I don't know, you might catch me doing a video out there at some point soon. We'll get see. you a burger, get you a coffee, <laughs> buy you a drink, come on, come over, it'd be fun to hang out, for real. Yeah, definitely, definitely, stay tuned, uh, we'll, we'll definitely connect, definitely connect. Um, what I like to always ask every producer that comes on, every beat maker, um, as a creator, you know, what's one word of advice you can give to somebody that's up and coming, um, maybe a, a younger creator or somebody in our age bracket uh, that's that's looking to get involved with creating? What's one message that you have for them? Oh, I think the biggest thing that I learned is probably just finish stuff, you know, like I can't remember who said it. I've heard it a few different places, but you learn to finish tracks by finishing tracks and just like, let it go. Like uh, sometimes it's better to take an unfinished track, just slap an ending on it and move on. Because even just doing that, like taking a trash track, I'm really unhappy with, but just finishing it, put it in his grave. I learned a lot from the finishing process, like going through the whole thing from beginning to end, starting with the blank template, putting it together or actually coming up with a template that I use all the time to finishing the track, the mix, the master, the release, putting it on, I don't know, SoundCloud, or if I think it's really good, Spotify now, putting some things there. Just getting into the hang of that. Same with YouTube. Yeah, the first video is going to be trash. (laughs) (laughs) But look at you now, right? Like, dang, like, look at me. Look at me, man, it's still not that good, but it's getting some views and stuff. It's getting some traction. Got to get the bad ones out so the good stuff can come later. And same yeah. with the music, same with the videos. Um, early being on camera is hecka scary and it's awkward. It's very like, ooh, looking back at it. But I got to get those out so I can get to the good looking videos. Yeah. Same with the videos, same with the YouTube, same with the music. And, and to not overthink it and like trying to be all epic or my 100% every time, just 1% better every time. Something that's sustainable that won't drive me insane, but that I keep making progress. So yeah, finish stuff and just aim for 1% better and keep finishing because like do that every day for a year. It's like hundreds, thousand times better. I don't, I don't know the math on it, but 1% yeah. better every time and keep finishing. Got to finish those tracks and got to, you know, um, <laughs> everything, tracks, videos, and you just never know where to take you, I think. You know, it's all progress when you realize you can start finishing tracks consistently and you could probably move on to something else. And, you know, it's a lot of yeah. people, a lot of people really just start with the, the beat first. And then from there, you can become a content creator. And then, you know, who knows what else from there? There's who knows? Yeah. sync licensing. There's a lot of publishing opportunities out there. Um, so you never know where your music can take you and, you know, who's going to reach out to you because there are a lot of people right. that watch YouTube and go on social media. And, uh, you know, you just never know who can go on your page. Never know. That. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where can our viewers and our listeners find you online and, you know, any work that you have? And, and also, yeah, throw out there your uh, your YouTube. Go ahead. Subscribe to his page as well. Yes, please. So basically on everything I made it simple. I'm Oyama's music on YouTube, 
and Instagram. And that's the best two places to find me and my content. Oyama's is like Obama or Osama, except with a Y. So Oyama's music. And that's that. All right. All right. Hey, look, brother, it was a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And, um, you know, anytime you want to get on, you know, Dude, you have the a pleasure new project. was all mine. This is so much fun. And I'm so honored that you have me on for real. Oh, uh, thank great. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, you know, uh, keep on doing what you do. Don't don't ever sell yourself short. You got a fan right here of your work. So, you know, <laughs> thank uh, you so much. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. This is D dot. You could also follow me on Instagram at D dot underscore major music and Twitter at D dot MME and catch the major music lounge podcast on all podcast streaming platforms, as well as on YouTube on Fridays. And, you know, if you're out there uh, celebrating the holiday, be safe. Happy Thanksgiving, mm. you know, whenever you watch this and, you know, until next time, we're out. <laughs>